I wanted to spend some time this morning talking to you about prayer. Uh, the altar of incense. And I always liken this to the altar of prayer. Because we read last week that it's where they burned incense. And that incense was supposed to be a sweet smell to God that would rise up to him. And of course, last week we talked about how that, that incense was, a, was in a picture the sacrifices that are made by believers. Say, so how so? Because the, the fiery coals that were on that altar, that burned that incense, came from the altar of sacrifice. And that's what God wants. He wants us to have sacrifices in our life that rise up to Him as a sweet smell. So we, we talked a lot about that. But this week, we're going to focus on prayer as a sweet-smelling Savior. And sometimes prayer is a sacrifice in many respects. And so Aaron's going to, he burned in, sweet incense every morning. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, every morning. So again, the golden altar represents the believer's prayer life. Now the context we're going we're gonna to look at here to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that that thing represented a prayer life of God's saints. You don't have to go very far into Revelation where you read in, in chapter 8, verse 1, when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven. I thought that was always interesting. Uh, someone said, well, there's silence in heaven. I guess there was no women in heaven at that time. Now that I lost you. There was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. The context is heaven. Context is heaven. Now remember, the tabernacle on earth has been patterned after the tabernacle in heaven. So when we read about anything about the earthly tabernacle, there's a tabernacle that still exists in heaven. And so when we get to the altar of incense, there is an altar of incense in heaven. You say, Brother Todd, do you really believe that? Seriously. You believe that? Well, why would I not believe that? I mean, if God said it, then we should believe it. You say, well, that may be figurative. Well, I, I don't see that because I was told that he made, made the things after the pattern in heaven. So that tells me there's an altar of incense. Just believe what God said. And God has a way of, of teaching us, Scripture with Scripture, to what that altar represents. Because an angel came and stood at the altar. Now, this is the altar of incense. Because remember, there's an altar of sacrifice as well. And he says, and there was given unto him much incense. Now, remember, that priest would take that incense that was made out of spices from the fiery coals that came from the altar of sacrifice, place it on that altar of incense, and then place the incense, and that incense would burn and give off a sweet smell as they worshiped and served the Lord. And so there was given unto him much incense, and he should offer it, notice, with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Now the altar of incense, I realized that there was a veil, and then beyond that veil was the Ark of the Covenant and the throne, as we know, God's seat between the two cherubim. That's where God's presence dwelt, and that veil. But that veil doesn't exist in heaven. It's clear the veil was removed when Christ did the work of, of the cross of Christ, and we, we were, were now having access into the throne room of God. 
But what's closest to God is the altar of incense. You want to get close to God? Get your prayer life going. Nothing will get you closer to God than your prayer life. you got to realize we're spoiled here in the U.S. We have Bibles in every corner of our house. We have it on our tablets. We have, we have all kinds of access to the Word of God. A lot of countries don't have that. They do not have that. I've been to the Philippines where they actually shared pages. I've personally not been to the Philippines. I've talked to missionaries from the Philippines where they share the Bible with pages ripped out of an old Bible. We take a lot for granted. And the things of God, what's closest to the throne of God, happens to be the altar of incense representing the prayers of the saints of God. So if you want to really get close to God, get your prayer life going. So we're going to talk a lot about prayer this morning. I think it's a critical piece in our life as as a believer. We read again in Revelation 5, verse 8, the 24 and 20 elders, by the way, they represent the Old Testament and New Testament saints. So they fell down before the Lamb, because they're worshiping the Lamb in Revelation 5, and having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors. So the odors aren't bad odors, as we would think of an odor, odors, as in sweet smell. And there's a golden vial full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Once again, incense connected to prayer life. And God, I really believe that's how it works in heaven. As we pray, as we bring our prayers to God, it's supposed to rise up to Him as a sweet incense. This is why I love this next verse in Psalm 141. It says, Let my prayer, that's He's asking for something here. He's asking that his prayer be set forth before thee, the God, as incense. Now, if you read in verse 1, two times this saint cries out to God, says, I cry unto thee. I cry unto thee. And then he says, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. When we cry out to God, like we really need God to do something in our lives, I mean, this is real praying, where we're really getting serious with God. That kind of prayer from the heart that means business with God rises up to Him and is a sweet incense. That ought to be our prayer. That ought to be our desire for every Christian to have this desire to, to lift up prayers that mean something to God. We'll talk a little bit about that if we have time. Now, Romans 8, verse 26 came to, to, to mind this morning as, We don't always know how to pray, and we don't know always what to pray. How many times we get ourselves in a bind or somebody we know is in a bind, we don't know what to ask. We don't know how to ask it. But the Bible says that that we have infirmities, we have weaknesses, but the Spirit knows that, and His Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. That is, the Holy Spirit knows what we what we need, knows what we want, but we don't know it. And he takes it to God, and he brings it before God. For us on our behalf, he intercedes. So don't always think you have to have the answers or to know what to pray. Sometimes just sitting in silence and saying, God, I don't know where to go with this. I don't even know how to ask you, but I know one thing. You'll hear this prayer. Silence is sometimes prayer. 
Do you know that? Sitting in silence on, and saying, God, I'm just going to wait on you. I can't figure this out. And the Holy Spirit takes that, that deep desire and says, I'll take it for you. And brings it. Now, you know the Holy Spirit brings it before God. It's sweet incense. Absolutely sweet incense. So, wonderful truth. But we, God knows our infirmities, our weaknesses. So, this, this matter of prayer, the Bible said, We've read this several times, and we talked a little bit about this last week, that he burned the sweet incense every morning. And I read this verse here in Psalm that said, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. Now it may be early in life or early in the morning, nevertheless, early is best. If there's anything I learn out of this study, is getting a hold of God early in the day. Every believer ought to realize that the day, to set the tone for the day, to be spiritually minded, really takes time with God. I've always found that somehow the absence of prayer from the start of the day, boy, really challenges throughout the day with all the evil that takes place in a day just in the world itself. And so I think God is very clear that we're not only to collect the manna in the morning, which is the word of God, to feast off, but we're also to, to have prayer early in the morning. Set the tone for the day. It really will help you. Listen, Christians struggle with prayer. This is, this is a big, serious issue in Christians' lives. And, and the absence of prayer... In a believer's life, whether it's in the morning or whatever time they're praying, the absence of prayer will often lead you to a walk in the flesh. You can't avoid it. You need prayer to be spiritually minded. Prayer sets the tone. Prayer gets you spiritually set in the the right mindset for God. So why not start the day off with God? Too often we start the day off with absence of God. We don't take time in the book. We don't take time in prayer. And then the day ends, and we are just full of the day, and we have a hard time focusing on God. I always say, start your day with the Lord, and it just it will go better. Not always better, but you know what I'm saying. Spiritually minded. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. So really just encouraging you to, to seek God early in, in the day. So what is prayer? I mean, anybody have a definition for prayer? Anybody want to take a guess at it? Talking to God. Absolutely, we'll get there. But what's the root of prayer? It's a very simple definition. Praise, glory, all that is part of prayer. But that's not what prayer is. Shocking as it sounds. The Bible will give you the definition of prayer here as we study this out. Now, this is not an exhaustive study on prayer. This is just about the root of prayer. What is prayer? Really, what is it? It's communication. Now, now that's absolutely sure, but what kind of communication? Well, let's read here in Matthew chapter 7. It can be defined as, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, 
and it shall be opened. Now notice how that's, that spells ask. That's really what prayer is. Prayer, and the definition of prayer, is asking something from God. Now, it includes all that praise and glory and communication, but the root of prayer is simply going to God and saying, God, I need you, and I need you for this, and I need you for that. And I know it sounds selfish, but God's saying, when you're like that, you're depending on me. And dependence is what real faith is all about. Asking something from God is recognizing that it's coming from God and that you need God. So the real definition of prayer is to ask. Simply ask something from God. So let's look at some verses. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, it's interesting. It starts off with, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. That is, you know something about God. You know something about his will. You know what he likes and what he dislikes. Then you're going to ask what is in alignment with God. You're not going to consume it on your own lust because you know that's not right. So when you're asking something from God, you're, try, you're asking as far as you know what is the will of God based on the scriptures. And the Bible says, and it shall be done unto you. But you have to ask. The Bible says in James 4, you ask, you receive not because you ask not. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God. There it is again. Now, everybody lacks wisdom. Some, of, some people are full of more wisdom than others, but Every one of us lacks wisdom because we don't always know how to deal with a situation. But God says, if you lack it, just ask of him. Now, of course, he's, he giveth to all men, liberally and upbraideth not. He doesn't hold back. It's going to be given to you. But do you really believe that? How many times we go to God, but we really don't believe he's going to do it? We ask him, but we, our faith kind of is weak in that area. Well, man, maybe I, you doubt. We put doubt on what we're asking of God. So the Bible says, but let him ask in faith, not wavering, not tossing from yes to, to doubt, to yes, God can do it, to doubt. God says, just believe it when you ask it. And then let God do his work. Um, as we often should pray, give us wisdom beyond our years. This idea that, that you lack wisdom, you ever come into that crossroad of life either left or right, but you don't know what direction to go. That's a good time to sit there and ask God, okay, Lord, what part of this road do you need me to take? And God will show you if you ask in faith. I mean, Solomon, in 1 Kings chapter 3, came to God, and he had all the opportunities to ask God for things that God was going to give him. He could have asked for long life, he could have asked for riches, and he could have asked for his enemies to be put to death. He didn't. He asked for one thing. Wisdom. And God said, that pleased God. That became a sweet-smelling savor to God. He said, because you ask for wisdom, not only am I going to give you wisdom beyond your years, I'm going to give you the long life, I'm going to give you riches, and I'm going to take care of your enemies. Seek ye first the, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
our prayer life that puts God first and asking God for something to help us to live for him, God honors that. It becomes a sweet savor in, in, the, in the face of God. Be careful for nothing. Now that's an old English term, be careful. Uh, you ever, a lot of the Bibles try to, um, they try to take that word out and put, be anxious for nothing. Be, you know, that's really, it's, the English term is much better. The word careful means full of care. Whenever we get full of care, we begin to worry. Yes, we begin to get anxious and we begin to take things in our own hands. But be careful, don't be full of care for any reason. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, now with thanksgiving, so that's, there's your part of your prayer, you're asking God, but you're saying, thank you, God. I, I'm at a point now, I just say, every time I ask, Lord, I, I need you to do this, thank you, Lord. I need you to do that, Lord, thank you, Lord. It's recognizing that it's coming from Him. That's why you're thanking Him. And if we ever lived in a society that is thankless, I mean, I've never seen a... a a, a generation that's more unthankful than this generation. But Christians should never be unthankful because their prayer life's all about asking God and being thankful, knowing it all comes from Him. So He says, let your request be made known unto God, and there's a promise attached to that. So don't be full of care. Let every request, everything you're that's burdened you, every concern, every care, every worry, bring it to God, believe that he's going to take care of it, and the God, Bible says with promise that the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. You want peace in your life? You want to have a calmness? But well, we live in a society that's full of anxiety, and every drug imaginable is out there to calm the, this anxiety out there. But you want to know what the best drug is? Prayer. An addiction to prayer will take care of anybody's anxiety. Oh, man, I don't... I, I, I tell simple I am about this truth. When I get anxious, man, I just get on my knees and beg God to help me through that. And then just trust Him. Now, my wife and I have talked a lot about this worry. Um, many times, and this is what a good mother does, is she worries for her children. Really, it's about a concern. Right? So, you know, our daughter uh, has been out of the house for quite some time. She's been away at college, still is. And boy, they talk all the time. And if she doesn't hear from her, by 10 or 11 o'clock at night, she grows concerned. Now, I, don't, I can't count how many times I've gone deep sleep, only to be awakened at 2 in the morning to say, she hasn't called. We haven't heard from her. So what's this we stuff? You're not, you're worried. I'm not worried. And I'll tell her, and how many times I tell you this? Honey, you just got to pray about it. Now I know I'm oversimplifying. It's so much easier to tell her that. But isn't that the truth? Hey, honey. There's nothing we can do about the situation. We don't know where she's at, what she's doing, what's happening to her. 
what good is it for us to worry ourselves sick at that moment in time when there's nothing you can do about it? So there is one thing you can do about it. Pray. And say, God, now, Lord, you got to take care. You're asking God to do something. You're asking. And then out of that, God says, the peace. I've always been able to go back to sleep. Say, okay, Lord, I'm worried too. Not hearing from my daughter, I get just as anxious as she does, just like that. Oh, man, I hope nothing's wrong. Okay, Lord, you got to take care of her. I'm putting her in your hands. And then I say, Lord, I'm going back to sleep. Now, my wife doesn't always go back to sleep as quick as I do. There's something about prayer and sleeping, man. You know, if I'm tired in the afternoon, I always tell my wife, I'm going to prayer. She knows exactly what I'm about to do. I'm taking a nap because I it takes me five minutes for, you know. But I'm in an attitude of prayer. I'm in an attitude of prayer, and that's the truth. I'm praying to God when I'm half asleep, when I'm waking up, I'm talking to God. But man, prayer will give you some peace. Imagine going to your doctor, and your doctor says, you go to your doctor and say, man, I'm full of anxiety. I'm worried all the time, Doc. And the doc says, all right, take two doses of prayer a day, and you're good to go. Can you imagine if he said that? Doc, what do you think about that? You think you'd have any legal, legal ramifications about that? Hey, take two prayers a day, and your anxiety and your worries will go away. And we know what the docs are doing today. They're loading them up. Try prayer. Prayer. God help us. We need prayer. Maybe we'd have a lot less anxiety in our world today. So why pray? We, we talked about what prayer is. It's asking God for something and believing it. Now why pray? Well, somebody said the communication with God. If you love God, there should be a deep desire to talk to God. Now, we're, now let me preface this. That's true. That's your desire, but that doesn't all, we don't always fulfill that talking to God. And the reason why is because he's spiritual, that's spiritual, and we're not always. We struggle with carnality and the flesh, and, and oftentimes our desire is right, but then we find ourselves not doing it. The things I want to do, that I don't do. The things I don't want to do is the things I do. Paul said that in Romans 7. So yes, if you love God, you're going to have a deep desire to talk with Him. Now I thought about it. You cannot measure love. It's impossible. It's impossible. However, love is an action. It's not just a feeling. It's an action. And I thought about that. The measure of love is often equated to the time you spend with the thing you love. If you say you love something and spend no time with it, do you really love it? Because you're going to spend time with the thing you love. Whether it's a hobby, or your children, or a sport, or your loved one, that's where you spend. But time with God will measure your love for God. So we say we love God, we have a deep desire, and I believe that, to talk with Him and walk with Him. But yet, often we find ourselves not spending the amount of time with Him that we need to. But if we love Him, we'll spend more time with Him. We'll want that time with Him. But it's spiritual. So you've got to fight it constantly. 
You got to fight it. Christ left us an example. He withdrew himself in the wilderness and prayed. So why pray? Because the Lord gave us that example. He'd often be bombarded during a day with the crowds and just consuming his time and his energy. And, his, and yet he would find himself withdrawing from everybody to spend time with God alone in the wilderness. That You read that often. He gave us that example. The Lord commands us to pray. He said men ought to always pray and not to faint. Now some of you folks have been praying for people, loved ones, friends, neighbors, who knows. But you've been praying for somebody for a long time, and God's not moved yet. But you don't give up on God. There's testimony in this room here of people that have trusted Christ after praying for them for over 30, 40 years. Now that's some prayer to be asking God, knowing nothing's happening. If you're like me, something doesn't happen quick enough, sometimes I just move on to the next. You quit on, okay, I guess you're not going to answer that prayer, God. But that's not how God works. He doesn't work in our time capsule. He works in eternity. And he see, and that person that keeps bringing that to God, God, maybe like the poor widow that came to the judge and finally says, hey, I've had enough. I'm going to take care of it just so you'll stop annoying me. Maybe we ought to annoy God about stuff like that. You love someone, your family members. That, I know Tom prays for that. He talks about his, some of his family members. How long have you been praying for some of them? That ought to tell you right there the answer, which means long time, right? You're never going to stop. I've heard you pray for them. Men ought to always pray and not faint, not give up on God, not give up that he won't, he won't answer. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? I mean, let's face it. I'm not praying right now, but it says pray without ceasing. It's an attitude of prayer. It's this desire to always be in this, this bathing everything in prayer um, and, and, and being ready at an instant to pray. If someone calls you and says, hey, I need you to pray about something, maybe it's time. Just stop and ask God at that moment. Because I know people have asked me for stuff. Say, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. Yeah, I'll pray. And then the two days goes by, and I forgot completely to pray for that. And I think to myself, man, Lord, I, that person called me, which means they really know that, I'm serious with God, and yet I didn't go for them. How many times that's happened to me? So an attitude of prayer and being ready to pray at any, any time. And then this praying always, there it is again, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, that text is really interesting. That's with the armor of God. And if you read about God does everything to completion in sevens. Seven is the perfect number of God or the completion of God. You'll see that throughout Scripture. That's very consistent. And you get to the armor of God in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, and you have six pieces mentioned. Oh, I always thought, well, wait a minute, I know God's about completion. Where's the seventh piece? And he mentions the gird and the, and the feet and, and the sword and all that, the helmet. There's six pieces. You know where the seventh is? Right there. That saint of God that never mentions the knee pads, the, the knee protection, which is part of the armor of a soldier. Why? Because that soldier is on his knees praying. That's the completion of the armor of God. Everything is bathed in prayer for it to, to have power. So once again, praying always 
with all prayer and supplication, supplying God supplies, God supply. Do something, God. So why pray? Again, Christ taught his disciples to pray. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. And we've, we've, we're not going to go into the Lord's Prayer right now, but he taught him a model how to pray, you know, how to recognize God as, as the creator. And then, then God asking, what, what was one part of that prayer? Is Give us this day our daily bread. Now that's, that's a request. That's asking God for something. So, it's a sin not to pray. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. But yet we sometimes struggle with prayer. So moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. That was David. He recognized that not praying for you was a sin. Do we pray for one another? Do we pray for our family? Do we pray for our friends? Do we pray for our neighbors? Do we, I mean, oftentimes when we're not praying, we're literally sinning. Now, how many times have we gone to the Lord, Lord, i got a confession to make. I've sinned against you. I haven't been praying. Help me with my prayer life. God wants you to have a prayer. He wants that, but you've got to ask him again. Say, well, fresh, I don't know what, Todd, I don't know what to pray for. I thought about a list of things, starting off with the missionary board. Now, I saw somebody there the other day just staring, and I thought to them, I know what they're doing. They're probably just gathering information so they can go back and pray. Well, wouldn't hurt to go pick a couple missionaries out of the blue and say, I'm going to pray for them this week. And next week, I'm going to come back and pick two more and pray for them. And by the way, I'm going to pray for my pastor and the pastors. I mean, you could go on. The list could go on. I'm going to pray for the teachers. I'm going to pray for the bus captains and the bus kids that they'll know Christ. There's so much to pray for. We, we could spend all day praying. Praying. I heard a story about... Uh, some of you have heard of Mickey Carter, Pastor Mickey Carter, up in Haines City. And he tells a story, his testimony. He said that, uh, you know, he was just a rough kid. He was lost. He, you know, he's the kind of guy, had, you know, the old T-shirt with a pack of cigarettes sitting there. And, you know, big tough with his hair slicked back. He said he fell in love with this girl, but she was a churchgoer. So he said, well, I figure if I'm going to get her, I'm going to church. So she invited him, said, you're going to, you're going to, have any time with me, you're going to have it in church. So she, he starts going to church. Of course, he is just not enjoying it. He sat in the back. He said he, he remembers in the choir, there was, you know, there was this lady. She was rather large. And instead of trying to listen to the word of God, he would focus on her and he would make fun of her. That's what he said. He'd spend time just making fun of her as a rather large lady. And over time, God finally got a hold of Mickey Carter's heart. It says he was in that service, and he had one of those experiences, that white knuckle, grabbed it, like coming forward, and he finally went forward and got saved. Now, Pastor Mick Carter's done a lot of work. For, I mean, hundreds of souls have been saved under his ministry. But he says that day when he got saved and made that known to the church, they, this is the old-time churches, they had him stand in the front, and the people would come through. They'd form a line, and they'd come through and talk to him. And Sarah's Mickey standing there, and here comes that rather large lady from the choir. And she looked up, she grabbed his hand, she's with tears in her eyes, she says, Oh, Pastor, or Brother Mickey, 
I just want you to know, ever since the day you walked through that door, I started praying for this boy. And there, his, his heart changed forever, knowing someone else was praying for him. May God give us a prayer for other people. So easy to look at other people. and Wow, we're not. Wow. All right. It, it's, it's time to stop. Okay. Um, we're going to pick up next week on real praying. Real praying, Lord willing. Um, I, I really have something here. I think you, you'll get something out of and how to pray, and what real praying is all about. With that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you, Father, for this simple but profound uh, truth in our life today. God, help us to be a people of prayer. I know we are, we desire that, but something, sometimes, Father, we struggle with being spiritually minded. Lord, may you help us through the Spirit to always put you first in prayer, to learn how to seek you in everything we do. And, we, and we're asking today, Lord, that you would, uh, guide and direct us with the Holy Spirit in our worship of Christ. May, Lord, it be acceptable in your sight. And I pray to be a sweet incense as we worship you in truth and spirit. May you help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 Nine four seven one two eight five. Thank you and God bless.